much hot gold. Bears. Bears was pretty damn good. He was pretty, yeah. He was really good. But he gave up one and the other guy gave up nothing. Cal Peterson's the best goalie in the league. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. Tough loss for the Reign and for Peterson as Stars goalie Mike McKenna stopped the final 91 shots he faced in the series. It was it was unreal. It was annoying. Uh, we're going to draw some parallels between this series and the Knights-Kings series in this episode, but man... Watching your team lose game four in a shutout on home ice does not get any easier, it turns out. This is the end of the season as far as Kings fans having actual games to attend, but there's still plenty of hockey going on. We've got the rest of the NHL playoffs, the Manchester Monarchs, and in major junior hockey, Kings center prospect Gabe Velarde and goalie prospect Matthew Vallalta are both currently playing in the OHL semifinals on opposite sides of the bracket. Velarde and the Kingston Frontenacs are down 3-1 in that series, so it's an uphill climb, but there's still a chance we could see Velarde versus Vallalta and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL final. Uh, we'll keep bringing you new episodes all summer, so never miss an episode by subscribing on iTunes or any other podcasting app. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here above the Ice of Citizens Business Bank Arena. Joining me, Dave Joseph. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm uh, okay, Jesse. And Cody Warner. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing well, Jesse. Thanks. Did I say your name right? <laughs> uh, you know all ten letters. You got all All right. Name. Perfect. Um... Well, look, uh, I don't remember who said this phrase, but but the phrase goes, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. So we've got another series with a double overtime loss, another series that ends in a shutout on home ice. Uh, the Ontario Reign season is over. That means the Kings season is officially over now that none of their players are playing hockey. Well, I suppose they're still uh, juniors, but professionally they're done for the year. Um Dave, you asked me right before we started recording, what do you say? And what do you say? Uh, two words, uh-huh. Mike McKenna. Yeah. So uh-huh. comes in in relief after the rain had scored four goals in game three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landon Bow gets the hook. McKenna comes in and stops 44 four shots yeah. in game three, doesn't allow a goal. Mm-hmm. Comes into tonight's game, stops 46 shots, doesn't allow a goal. So... I'm not great at math, but I think that equals 90 shots yeah. in less than two games. 90 shots does not allow a goal. What more can be said? Uh, granted, tonight I didn't think there were a whole lot of really good looks by the rain. I don't think they had a whole lot of scoring opportunities. There weren't a whole lot of odd man rushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, McKenna was completely solid again tonight and shut him down. I don't know if it's the left-handed goalie thing again. We talked about it in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Red catches with the opposite hand. Mm-hmm. So does Cal Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, did that throw him off? I, I don't think there's, you know, these these guys have seen left-handed goalies their whole career. So there's, I don't think you can make a whole lot of that. But he was solid, and you have to give him credit for for a one nothing Again, one nothing. Kings, right? one nothing in uh, in Game 4 in the sweep. It was one nothing. Yeah. so yeah. we have one nothing. So I, I think maybe history does repeat itself, Jesse. But Maybe it rhymes, but it definitely yeah. repeated itself here tonight. Um, I mean, they, they definitely have seen left-handed goalies in the regular season, and they saw this left-handed goalie in Games 1 and 2. I put on Twitter, his save percentage in the first two games, 902. His save percentage in Games 3 and 4, 1,000. I mean, or 100, I guess. <laughs> but, Cody, I mean, how... Dominant was this thirty-five-year-old cheating goalie. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can make an accurate assessment of the game without talking about Mike McKenna at length. 
um, coming, not even getting the start on Sunday and then coming in and doing what he did and then just turning around and, and duplicating his performance tonight. Um, like Dave said, there wasn't an incredible amount of high percentage chances. I mean, Mersh had a, had a chance here or there. He really was digging for, for Ontario. He really wanted to get the win and, and continue the series. Johnny Brodzinski had a couple of chances, and especially there in the third period, they really started to pour it on. But um, Mike McKenna just really spearheaded the effort by Texas. And as soon as they got, as soon as Gurionov scored, you, you, you could almost see them switch it to, we're going to lock it down. And knowing that the, that the rain had struggled, in every third period, I don't maybe not when they won five to one, but all three third periods of every game that they lost, giving up leads in two of them, uh, you you knew it was going to be tough sledding for Ontario at that point. As soon as Texas scored, I started looking up stats because I wanted to be able to say, in games one and two, <laughs> he was not great, and in games three, I mean, I just stopped paying attention to right. the game, which is a terrible thing to admit. And, and if you and if you were paying attention to the game, you would have noticed, like Cody just said, Texas went into lockdown mode, and they had three guys back every single time and they were all lined up at the blue line three guys across mm-hmm. the blue line the rain couldn't get the puck in when they did get the puck in it was a wrap around the back side mm-hmm. of the net mckenna stayed in his crease let the puck get wrapped around and then they just dug it out and sent it down i think they iced the puck what three or four times yeah. at the, toward the end of the yeah. game just to get it out and relieve the pressure happily yeah and they were more than happy to do that and i think that it uh it just showed the lockdown defense that this team is capable of playing in texas the rain couldn't get anything generated there was a, a rush down the ice a, about two minutes left in the game. I was paying attention to this point. Um, and it wasn't an on-man rush, but the the rain entered the zone with conviction, I guess is the word. And I don't remember who it was, but the shot on goal from the right wing, a left-handed shooter, was just a sort of weak backhand lifted straight into his into the into the logo on the goalie's jersey. And he just, that's when, I mean, Rosen and I looked at each other and just were like, all right, well, that's that's it like if yeah. that's all you can muster <laughs> down I, one well one. we saw a lot of that tonight i think every time every time it seemed like the rain had a scoring opportunity seemingly it would hit mckenna in the chest mm, yeah. and it wasn't like he did make one big glove save in the game and, and was i forget who he robbed but brodzinski yeah. he robbed brodzinski he had a point blank chance and he just stoned him with the glove uh if he's a if he's a left-handed catching goalie you know maybe it's yeah. a different opportunity maybe you're looking at a different different outcome tonight that's not the case that was the one big scoring opportunity that I thought the rain had. Yeah. It seemed uh, from the get-go, I think Ontario got off to a, a, a better start than they did, especially on Sunday. They, they seemed to be a team that, like the Kings, take that first five or ten minutes kind of to get into the game when you're, you know, as a, as a fan or as an observer, you're sitting there watching and trying to figure out what it, what is it exactly going to take for you to, to kick into the gear that everybody has that knows that you have. But they did get off to a good start. It just seemed that they were very predictable in their approach. A lot of a lot of pucks around the boards, like Dave had mentioned. A lot of shots to the logo or, or missing the net, shooting it by Mike McKenna's ears on either side. There were quite a few of those shots. Um, Paula Du let one of those go right at the beginning of the third period. And it, yeah, I mean the predictable approach. There wasn't there wasn't any kind of innovation. Nobody wanted to grab the puck and skate with it, grab the ball and run with it, whatever kind of you know analogy you want to use. Nobody was willing to make or nobody seemed to be willing to make the extra effort and do what it was going to take to, to you know, it was 0-0, but really the rain were probably further behind than, than an even game because of, because of their style of play and because of the struggles that they had throughout the series. It's funny, in the end of period one in the Kings game, game four of the Kings series, I said to somebody, well, they're down by one because it was 0-0, zero to zero, and somebody's like, they're not down by one. I said, no, they're 
They're down by one. Yep. <laughs> it felt a lot like that tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't see games one and two of this series, but it felt to me that as the series went on, the Stars got better and better at pressuring the points. There was a lot of turnovers right at the blue line, mm-hmm. a lot of struggles to get passes off, a lot of shots to go in. Um, you know, it's one of those games, Dave, we talked about last time, where if the Reigns score even one goal, we're not talking about all of these little mistakes. We're talking about, you know, a totally different thing did did I mean did McKenna legitimately just steal this series away from the rain yeah I think he did I think when you when you it's not like he made 30 saves and he didn't allow a goal he made 90 saves how often can you say that and I think he set the record in game uh four or game three for coming in relief Mm -hmm. not allowing a goal with the 40 plus saves that he made yeah I mean 90 saves in two in two games is that's remarkable. Did he, mm-hmm. I think he stole the series, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's. I mean, they came back. It was the series was tied one to one. Coming into Ontario, you would figure in a five game series, Ontario's got a, a big advantage. Despite any kind of well, there weren't really the third period struggles at that time that that had been developed. It was one to one. They won game two, five to one. But it's yeah. I mean, we could talk. We we could talk about Mike McKenna all night because of because of his performance in the series. Probably it's hard to say that it's not. A hot goaltender when you know he's play, he played he didn't play a hundred percent of two games but he played most of those games and and saved every shot he faced so I would say yeah McKenna probably gets credit for stealing the series for Texas. I spoke to the guys from Vegas about the King series and I said you know it's one goal games each game so it's sort of you know everybody the games have to end they can't be a tie so mm-hmm. somebody's got to win them so if it's a one goal game either way sort of shrug and I referenced the 2012. Kings final series against New Jersey and I said there were four games in that series that were basically one goal games one of them they got an empty netter uh, Jersey did but it was two overtime games then games uh, five and four and five that the Kings lost were basically one goal games but in the games that weren't one goal games the Kings outscored them 10 to 1 and so you go okay that's all for me that's all I need or you look at Pittsburgh and Philly right you look at the total score and the Pittsburgh outscores them 30 to 15 or something like that. But this is a series where the rain, I think they might have outscored them for the series, right? Because they won 5-1 to in game two. They lost three games by one goal and won one game by four goals. So really they're going to leave this series with one win, (laughs) a goal, one one more goal for than than Texas scored. That's hard to swallow. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one. And and once again, we kind of circle right back around to Mike McKenna. When 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 those are the numbers... Obviously, numbers aren't everything, but when you in a, in a short series like this was, you kind of stack things together and figure out what makes sense. And and yeah, it was quite the effort by him. I it was and not to mention, in addition to Mike McKenna, you meant you alluded to earlier a little bit that the like switching into shutdown mode where te- that Texas did, and also the fact that they continue to pressure the points and, and create those turnovers at the blue line. The rain used the boards and the outside of the rink very often for for a team, and so Texas made that in series adjustment. To be able to to be able to create more opportunities for themselves, and I don't know if the rain didn't make any adjustments, but they, their adjustments weren't as as consequential as what Texas did. I really thought after game two and watching that game and seeing the rain being so dominant in that game, and it was really a four one game. There was an yeah. empty netter, but uh, I really thought coming home they would wrap this up. Yeah, well, I, I, four I, goals I, the other night. I mean, it was it was yeah. it, it was. Two different. It was almost like two different teams, and, and I don't know what happened. If it's if you credit, you know, Mike McKenna, obviously you do to some extent, and he did steal the series. But after that game two, I thought they're going to come home and they're going to wrap it up. It'll be this will be no problem. Yeah, like it, literally, it was that game two win was so dominant. 
And even if you look back to game one, there were a couple of bad bounces that led to some goals for Texas, and you think, okay, they got a couple of bad bounces. And they won in overtime. And they won in overtime. The rain could have won that game and probably mm. should have won that game and didn't. So you think they're going to come home, they'll take care of that, no problem. And then look what happens. You go to double overtime, the tide turns yeah. a little bit, you get another one-goal game here, it's one nothing. I don't know what happened between Friday night's game two and Sunday night's game three. Obviously, something was said, something was done. Mike McKenna, it could be a combination of things. It just looked like different teams yeah. on the ice com- comparing games two to games three and four. And if you consider game three on Sunday, too, for the large majority of that, all the way up until maybe halfway through the third period, the rain really did kind of control the game. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. they scored four goals, which is not a rarity for any buddy associated with the with the Kings <laughs> and so to see that turnaround they gave up a, they gave up the a lead in the third period of game one and they ended up losing that game in overtime they gave up the a lead in the period of third period of game three they ended up losing that game in overtime and then they go into tonight's game 0-0 into the third period actually they might have had a better chance to win that game than they did based on their two leads that they right. brought into the two losses that they had previous and the record and I heard Cam saying and I don't know it offhand when they when the rain have the lead after two periods was just an unbelievable record, right. like twenty six wins and yeah. two losses. Like you just think they're gonna they're gonna salt this salt this away, right? They're gonna win it. They're gonna yeah. find a way to win it. That's what they do. They just lock down, and teams can't score in the third period for whatever reason. That didn't happen in the last two games. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple monsters on this podcast, and one of them is sports are dumb. And I think this one, uh, I think this series falls squarely <laughs> under the uh, sports are dumb. Hey, credit category. Texas. You got to credit no, no, Texas look, for, for, for what sure. they. I mean. And the, and the one goal, Gurionov scores the, the one goal on, what, a two-on-one? It's a two-on-one mm-hmm. play, and he's basically got a wide-open net. What's Cal Peterson going to do in that situation? Yeah, yeah. You can't well, blame the goaltender. And, and Peterson winds up in a situation really similar to Quick, where you're not going to talk about what an impressive game he played. He played great. He played great. <laughs> because, Third star because, of the game yeah, tonight. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. And And... Kid looks good and played well on Sunday too. I mean, yeah. it's I went down and talked to to Stuthers after the game, and he he's under the impression that Cal Peterson's the best goalie in the league. Obviously, that's his coach. He's entitled to that opinion, but he's not probably far off when you're considering all of the all of the potential factors that go into what makes the best goalie. Cal Peterson's going to be right up there, I, and he played he played unbelievable tonight. It's it's a shame, just like you said, like Jonathan Quick doesn't really get the assistance or or the bounces or what have you, you know. And like you said, you got to credit Texas too. And we can say that the rain gave up two leads or we can say that Texas came back twice in in third periods and then held on to this game tight and figured out a way to win all three of them. So, yeah, credit the Stars for sure. I mean, they've got a a few good players on their team. Mike McKenna obviously was the spearhead of their effort and, and yeah. But, I mean, he he was their backup. All year long, his yeah. regular season save percentage wasn't that great. But but anyway, let's the season is over, so let's take a look at the rain roster really quickly. Talk about who might be moving on and who might be moving up. Um, Cody, you spend a lot more time watching rain games than I do. Um, Mersh led the team in scoring, uh, but Matt Molson was right there. I'm assuming we don't see Matt Molson back. Yeah, if Matt Molson comes back, it'll be it'll be truly a surprise, I think, to most people here. Maybe even Matt Molson, without being disrespectful, it's just not really a, a situation. You know, I, well, he's the property of the guy. I mean, Dave and I went off. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, not, which is something that I maybe I can understand. talk to you guys about that afterwards because I I don't know exactly. I mean, I understand the loan thing and all of that, and it's the AHL and this and that. But yeah, I mean, Matt Molson, I would be very surprised to see him in an Ontario Rain jersey again. I feel like I'm doing a comedy routine whenever I ask somebody because I say I don't understand how he's allowed to play for. For the rain, and they say, "Well, he's on loan." And I go, "Right, but but well, why is he allowed to be loaned to the to a different club's yeah. AHL team?" And they they just say, "Like, oh, well, he's on loan." And I go, "No, I 
got that. heard you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know yeah. what it means. As long as Ontario and Bridgeport don't play another game. <laughs> right. Well, what if they had? I mean, yeah, right, exactly. Oh, it's insane. All right, so so we we assume the Matt Molson will not be back. Yeah. Uh, T.J. Hensick has spent what two years with the Rangers? Yeah, he's been here for two full seasons. He came in in that summer just before last season, and it's another player, great great veteran player. Um, he's been a, a part of the leadership group here while he's been here, of course, with his experience and and his professional, you know, expertise. He's he's going to help the younger players, some of the younger players that are here. But yeah, another player with, you know, T.J. Hensick, as as good as he is, who probably will end up playing in the AHL if he continues to to want to play professional hockey. But to see him in an Ontario Rangers for another season, probably be a surprise. It's a shame. One of the great nicknames in uh, in hockey. Panda? Yeah. I love it. I love the panda. It looks like a panda. He looks like... Right? He looks kind of like us. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm twice as big as he is, but, <laughs> but he's part of the bald brotherhood. Yeah. Um, now, Philip May- Philippe Maye, mm-hmm. will he be back? What's I mean, he's joined the team this season. Right. He's a rookie player. He came from Canadian college hockey and played in the QMJHL before that. I did not even know the Canadian college hockey was a thing. But yeah, it, it, Philippe Maye made it the thing. All right. By getting signed by Ontario Rain. University. That's great. Yeah, right, 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 right. As they say. Um, but I, I mean, I would, I would be surprised if he wasn't around unless they, unless he, they find a deal where maybe they could get some kind of value for him or something more pointed towards what they're looking for. He's a, he's a skilled player. He's got some speed on him. He scored two, the most goals for the Rain in the playoffs this, this year, which was two. But I mean, he still led the team in goals. He was out there playing. He's, he skated with. Mersh at some points tonight. He skated with Jared Anderson Dolan at a couple time, a couple different shifts tonight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure to see him gone as a, you know, as with Matt Molson and T.J. Hensick. But as we all know, with the with the roster turnover in the NHL, a lot of things could happen that nobody really saw coming. So there's a couple names I think that we all agree will be on the Kings next season. The one Dave and I talked about last game was Mike Amadio. Um, I mean, he was great tonight. He was out there yeah. taking fi- every, almost every face off. Clearly a step ahead of yeah. most of the players on the ring. Dave, we're, I mean, we're just penciling him into the lineup next year, right? I, I would assume so. Uh, barring any kind of unforeseen injury or anything, I, I think he definitely makes a team. He's, he's exactly what the Kings need. They need speed. They need skill. Uh, they need youth. And he brings all three. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's shown he's got great hands. I'd like to see him get some more minutes with the big club. I think if he played on one of the top two lines, not saying he's going to end up there, but if he did, I think he'd put up some numbers, give him some time on those top lines. Um, that being said, he probably slots into a third or fourth line player for the next season or two. Right. Uh, but he does bring speed. He does bring those hands. And he does bring that scoring touch that is sorely needed by the Kings. Yeah. Now there's some guys that are at a point now where – I feel like if they don't make the Kings roster, I don't know that they remain in Ontario. I'm talking about guys like Brodzinski, Ledoux, Fant- well, maybe Fantenberg spends another year moving up and down. But really, Ledoux and Brodzinski, what are your thoughts on uh, on that pair? Um, well, like Dave said, a couple of guys that really bring some offensive talent, some scoring touch to the table. Obviously, Ledoux from the back end and Johnny Brodzinski. Uh, he's, he's got, he, obviously, his, the size is not as as big or as large as, as you might like but the, he's an incredibly fast skater he loves to throw his body weight around which is something that was and the way and his skill in doing so is actually very surprising for somebody of his size and his shot is 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 probably nhl quality if we're saying just shot i i would say that he probably has a chance because of his often offensive tendencies to to make a roster but yeah that's still a player with maybe some value that if you could move him into another system and maybe another somebody at another 
at another club sees that he fits better than he fits here in LA, then yeah, that's some that's a move that I could possibly see being being made. But I don't think the Kings will rush to to get off of Brodzinski right away. And then with Paula do kind of the same thing. He probably has an extra year uh, as compared to to Brzezinski, not only because he plays defense and rather than playing forward, but also he came in it came into the system a year later. He stayed in college, finished his college career and stuff like that. So if and he's a right-handed shot, so I would say Paul Adu's probably got a, a good, a good, a full year, and then that summer, maybe next summer, not the summer upcoming, but the one after that would be a one where it becomes decisive for a player like that. I'd be like 28 by then. <laughs> <laughs> you also got to keep in mind Fantenberg, Oscar yeah. Fantenberg, who you said maybe goes up and down throughout the season, mm-hmm. and a guy like Kevin Gravel too. What happens to a guy like Kevin Gravel who? Mm-hmm. Obviously had the issues with the Crohn's. Probably uh, on that bubble as well. Right, so we, we don't know where those guys are going to end up. So is it here? Is it up with the big team? We don't know at this point. I want to talk, Cody, about some of the younger defensemen that maybe we wouldn't see move up to the Kings mm-hmm. in the next couple of seasons. We're talking about Lynch and Yemi, uh, possibly Walker, and uh, Matt Roy. What can you tell us about? And Falkowski. What can you tell us about uh, that quartet of, of young blue liners? Uh, I would say uh, probably... Linton Niemi and Matt Roy are probably on the uh, the upper two of the of the four that you mentioned. Um, Linton Niemi has been in the system for for a while. Has been to a couple camps. Obviously, he's played here in Ontario for a few years. Although the first year he was he was in and out of the lineup. Um, he's big, rangy guy, uh, stay at home type. Although he does have some some hands and stuff like that on him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised to see him push for a roster spot in L.A. Um, truly. Probably at any time, barring a, a, a drastic improvement in, in his development, he's just not. He doesn't have anything that that makes you say, "I want to see that guy in the lineup to see what he can do." Um, he's he's a fine player in Ontario. He's like I said, he's range. He's a big guy, um, plays tough defense. But um, and then, I mean, it's probably the same with the other three guys. Matt Roy and Walker have a little, probably a little bit more speed. I know Walker's a right shot. I think Matt Roy might as well might also be. A right shot and that's for right now that's going to make a little bit of a difference for them and their chances of making the roster they both have the skating speed and add a little bit of the of the puck skill but i yeah i'd be i'd be, I'd be surprised to see either any of the four of them actually legitimately push for a roster spot another young player i was really excited to get a chance to see tonight was anderson dolan um obviously shut out so nobody got on the board but dave what did you think of anderson dolan's game um it seems like he's got good wheels seems like he's got good speed and and uh has a knack for getting to the net um again it's tough kind of tough to read with with nobody scoring tonight right. no one scoring you know showing up on the score sheet like you said but um he does have speed he, he can definitely skate and I think that was one of the one of the knocks. Obviously, a guy like Luke Robitaille was he couldn't skate, and look what he did, right? So they said, "Here's a guy in in Dolan who doesn't skate the best, but he gets there. He seems mm. to get there." Uh, I don't see a skating issue with him. It seems like he's got the wheels. It seems like he can get to where he needs to be. I think we just need to see more from him. We didn't right. get to see enough of him to make a a good evaluation at this point. I mean, it was a, a tough situation for him. The kids. I mean, he's eighteen. Yeah, I think, right. I think, or, or, yeah, he turns nineteen later this year. And he gets thrown right into the fire yeah. here, and you say, "All right, kid, go show us what you got." Yeah, I mean, yeah. so what, what? I don't know what what they're expecting to see from him, or what they what they want to see from him at this point. It didn't seem to me like he was, you know, out of sorts or anything. It didn't seem like he was out of position, or he played right. his position well and and got to the net when he when he had his chances. Again, didn't score, so it's hard to say, but. Um, I like what I saw from him. I think it's it's promising to have young kid with speed and and some good skill in the lineup. You know, we talked about this at last year's draft. It's sort of 
it's crazy to to ask some of these players to to play against grown men. I mean, Anderson Dolan three years ago was a freshman. Well, I guess not a freshman in high school, but I mean, you know, he's five years away from right, yeah. from being in puberty. Like <laughs> these kids are, you know, they're kids. They're kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're kids. Um, and you know, just looking at the at the stars lineup, they have a bunch of guys in their late twenties. Um, Travis Moran, you know, Bud Narchuk, some names that we, you know, recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, obviously nobody scored, so I'm not going to fault him for <laughs> for not lighting the world on fire. But uh, at some point during the game, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm going to have to start paying attention to him because this may be the, the last opportunity I get to see him for quite a while. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect him to make the Kings roster next year. Um, and so he'll be in juniors. He won't be on the rain. And one of the things that stood out to me, and I'm not even entirely sure that this is necessarily – a huge positive. It's just what I noticed <laughs> about his game. He seemed to be good at anticipating um, moments, if that makes any sense. Uh, we saw certain members, even on the Kings roster this year, where they got beat on the outside, or they weren't, you know, they were out of, just stick out of position, or not looking the right way, and, the, you know, the puck would come to the wrong side of them, and the guy would blow by them. And to me, anyway, I felt like Dolan had a pretty good sense of where the puck was, where his man was, and you know maybe he's a step slower than some of these guys, maybe he's an inch shorter than some of these guys, ten pounds lighter than some of these guys, but he seemed to at least be seeing the game at the same level uh, as as a roster full of you know mid twenties professional athletes. That was something I noticed uh, about him was uh, as, along with the speed that David mentioned is that he seemed. Uh, the word that I, that kept popping in my mind is engaged, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of stupid when you know, of course, everybody's engaged in a game. But he really, he really was paying close attention to to where the play was moving to, mm-hmm. and I, I think that factor that's a that's a hockey IQ factor. If you if you can can somewhat predict and at least put yourself in a position to make a play when when it seems like you know where the yeah. puck might be headed, I, I would say that's a huge that's a huge benefit for a player that's so young like we mentioned let's keep in mind it's a big adjustment for these these kids mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. to come up and play against grown men not only because of the size difference and the and the height difference the weight difference all that but they're not used to playing men who are competing for jobs right. and feeding their families and things right, like that right. you're, you're talking about superstars in the leagues that these kids are coming out of where you know they're they're the guy they're the go-to guy on their teams, most of these guys. And yeah. then they come up here, they've never had to face grown men before right. who have to feed their families. And they know they've been playing for 10 years in the AHL or some of them have seen time in the NHL. And they know what it takes every shift. they got to go out and grind it out, grind it out, grind I think that's a big adjustment for a player like that is to realize, whoa, this is what it takes to compete at this level yeah. every single night. It's a big adjustment. And new arena, new coach, new teammates, mm-hmm. new environment. I'm assuming Anderson Dolan probably stays with a billet family when he plays Right, I don't yeah. know where he's staying now, but yeah, a hotel yeah, maybe, yeah. like maybe with one of the other guys. So he's on his own, yeah, or I he's mean, got a roommate. Complete, it's totally and again, different situation. He's, he's 18. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's right. Insane. When you change your routine like that, it's yeah. it's not something like yeah. Of course, the the coach is different, the ice is different, right. the players are different. But when you're changing like your now, you're talking about when are we going to sleep? What are we eating? What are how many things are we actually changing? Because we know that these like all these players to differing degrees. Their routine is 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 one of the biggest parts of their entire game. Everything you see on the ice is based on is based on what they're able to plan around it and how you know and like eating and sleeping are probably the the two biggest ones. And when you go from you know playing junior where he was with the billet family, maybe you're having 
home cooked meals and stuff like that, and you know, and then you come here and you're you're on your own, like yeah. you're you're treated like a professional hockey player. Although the the caveat of you being young is obviously factored in, but you you still have to figure out how you're going to make it happen. I think at one point in the game too. Um, some maybe that showed a little bit of of the fact that he came from junior and he's not he's he's 18 19 he's not known anything else probably since he was seven or eight years old besides I'm the best player on the team I need to do what it takes for us to win you know so he grabbed it was I think it was in the third period he grabbed the puck near the, the Ontario blue line and you could see that he was wheeling around like to, to try and skate and maybe beat a couple guys and get the puck deep in the zone and it got shut down right away and it was just one of those things where you know he probably knows he shouldn't be carrying the puck you know, from his own blue line right. and into the other team's zone, but he's going to give it a shot because that's what, how he's had success before. And you can't really blame him for it, but it's it's just one of those things where it just shows his his greenness. And, and again, doesn't turn nineteen until September. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. I would need to uh, uh, change of shorts <laughs> probably sometime in the first shift or two. Yeah, exactly. I was just say, to say, whoa, like, welcome to the big leagues. I, I mean, moved my bed and my desk from opposite corners of my room, and it took me a week to. <laughs> right. To get, yeah, 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 right. Like, yeah. This, this, just, this is a big adjustment. Yeah, yeah. It's a big step up. Um, all right. Well, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, Dave, thanks for an excellent season in both cities. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure being with you. It's a pleasure doing this in both cities, and I'm looking forward to next year already. Is it, is it September yet? <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> Cody, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot, Jesse. We'll see you guys in September with that Jared Anderson Dolan birthday cake. <laughs> John Rosen, thanks for joining us. What's that? <laughs> thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.